One of the things that I liked about the book, Say the Right Thing, is you can invite people in. How can you get people to be part of included, knowing that we come from different perspectives? Hello and good day. Welcome to another episode of The Consultant and the Coach. Josh is the consultant. I'm the coach. We're good friends, running buddies, book nerds, and Christians. We produce this podcast to help you live your best Christian life. We have 40 years of consulting, coaching, business, and leadership expertise to popular and recently released books on business topics. And we are mid-book on on Say the Right Thing. Book review was last week. Mm -hmm. Today is how do you apply it to your business? Yeah. So what do you got for us today, Josh? Yeah. So... uh... We, we were working through the book, Say the Right Thing, and you know I think the reason we chose this book is because so many times business leaders we work with are struggling to figure out how to address these, uh, struggling to address issues of diversity, equity, inclusion, these you know weighty topics, hard to talk about at times, um, and also doing it in a way that's meaningful to the business, ultimately, when you're doing it in a business setting, which is hard to do, tie it to the business metrics, not just have it be a random HR program that people don't like. Um, and also doesn't offend the core personal and religious beliefs that these topics tend to trend into. So we're digging into that. You know, again, building on the last two, we're talking about business application. And today we thought a good passage would be uh, Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. Because uh, if you can think about Jesus talking across the boundaries of society, like we struggle to do today, you know, in this story that I'll read, Jesus is a man in this in this context, you know, it's considerably more powerful than a female from a cultural perspective. Oh, by the way, he's talking across boundaries of Jewish to Samaritan. He's talking across boundaries of like he's not in violation of she has multiple husbands, so she's at the bottom of the she is at the bottom of the social circle in terms of that. Of course, he's considered like a rabbi in a lot of cases mm-hmm. and at the top, right? And so he is reaching through these boundaries to have these conversations. So I thought it was a helpful Scripture. I'll read it. It's a little bit longer, but I think it's good context for business application in these these things. Now he, talking about Jesus, had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, "Will you give me a drink?" Again, engaging straight across all the socioeconomic structures here, right? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the water is deep. Where are you going to get this living water? Greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become to them spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I won't be thirsty and have to come coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have five husbands and the man who, who you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped at this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. 
Woman Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And so I think that passage helps to frame up how we have these hard conversations with people across a spectrum of mm -hmm. systems that are very different from ours. Because Jesus was way different than the Samaritan woman. Right. Exactly. So let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. This is an obvious question, but I'm going to go somewhere with it. Yeah. Do you think most people are pro-truth? They want the truth, whatever it happens to be. You know, I think there is quite a bit of difference on that these days. Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm not sure that's always the case. Because for, 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 our, for our listeners who are primarily Christian business professionals, yeah, would you podcast, say yes. they are pro-truth? Yes. Okay. So, I think the books say the right thing. Mm -hmm. I would even say their authors are pro-truth. Truth. Now, it's their version of the truth, and you know, we talked about this last week, authority. Mm -hmm. But what I love about that scripture that you uh, read about Jesus and the Samaritan woman is, from a coaching perspective, what Jesus did with the Samaritan woman, I would call from a coaching perspective, a mismatching experience. Mm -hmm. And so it's one thing, so a lot of times people will think, okay, I'm going to talk to someone and change their mind, or I'm going to formulate this argument. Now, granted, Jesus gave a verbal argument for who he was. But what he also did that we see in the passage, he's talking about living water. What did he give her? Mm -hmm. He gave her real water mm -hmm. to emphasize that he is living water. So he gave her a mismatching experience mm -hmm. to kind of set in play. This is what true living water looks like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as, as Christian professionals, it's one thing... Uh, We'll go in, so I'll give you an example. I, I, I work with a lot of people who are not Christian, but I was in a company meeting today and someone shared an obstacle that they were dealing with. And I just, I asked this person mid-meeting, it, it was a large obstacle, and I said, hey, would you mind if I prayed over you? We are not a Christian company, but I am a Christian, and this person, I'm not sure what their theological beliefs are, but like, I would like that. So one of the things that I liked about the book, Say the Right Thing, is you can invite people in. Right. This person could have said, no, I'm uncomfortable with that. And I would have said, okay, that, that's fine. I just wanted to ask, do you mind? Mm -hmm. And so I think what happens a lot of times, we can be curious about others at work, but not being forceful. So if I would have said, let me pray for you, very forceful. That works if we share everything together, but saying, do you mind? And being curious. And you see this with Jesus and the woman. He's being curious, but allows, uh, you know, he, he's able to change her mind. Yeah, no, and I think that one of the takeaways similar to that that I had for business application from the book was this kind of, again, posture of humility, posture of curiosity we talked about last time of we should always continually evaluate our interactions with various types of people in the workplace, recognizing mm -hmm. things in their life are changing, the ways that they uh, perceive their own identity are changing, the way they pursue truth and authority is, is potentially very different than ours, 
And so I think there's this need to continually evaluate how we how we interact, right? Mm -hmm. Even if it's just as much as good morning or hey, it sounds like something's going. Could I pray for you? And how you frame that even to them, right? You've probably went through several attempts to try to figure out how to do that well versus not well. Right? Oh, absolutely. You've probably blown a few times along the way after you know. But who's who said something that's a hundred percent truthful that is taken in the wrong way? Or at least I've had right, several. Right, right. Like, Everything I said was right. Why are they so mad at me? <laughs> Couple times a day, exactly. Right. So I think there's there's this again this recognition of continual improvement right mm -hmm. around these topics, and that's okay. Like I think as a leader, we can set the set the tone that we can have hard conversations, and we can screw it up, and we can apologize and keep going. Right. And just mm -hmm. as we continue to improve and create a culture where others can continue to improve, we can we can really lower the temperature around these 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 dialogues. Right. So thinking back to the interview we had with the author, and what did we learn, or what did you learn from that interview that you can apply as you're helping other businesses consult? Yeah, um, there's a few things here. I'm looking at my notes. Um, there, there's a handful of things from a business perspective. I think one of the things that um, I learned and had a takeaway was there is a there's a there's an important conversation to be had, and there's a few things here I'm trying to sum up, but there's an important conversation here to be had around how a company can um, consider things like belonging and inclusion as a priority without having it turn into a detriment to the business, mm -hmm. right? And so you have to have that conversation of, hey, we want to be a place where people can work and find meaning. We want to be a place where they can belong or feel included. I think at the same time, we have to also hold that intention with the reality that there are customer needs, there are business needs, there are profit needs, performance expectations. Um, and you talked about that in the interview. You did a really good job actually talking about one of your folks in your team who you've helped do that, I think, in a way that is meaningful to them and sort of holds them in, in a respectful way with what they're giving. Yeah, he has a, he had, if, to restate it, I have, yeah. I have a fellow on my team. He has a... Uh, disability mm -hmm. and we're able to include him in our team because we figured out how to work around his disability mm -hmm. uh, he needs to use a mobility device which for us is easy because we sell wheelchairs and canes you name it so for us we, we can think that way but he brings so much to our team because he does come from a different perspective mm -hmm. yeah yeah so I think that's you know a hard conversation but one that I think you should recognize both halves of the tension that exists there, right? Mm -hmm. It's easy to go too far one direction or the other. Um, too much belonging and inclusion at the detriment of the business, and on the flip side, too much, you know, standards and expectations that completely ignores, you know, I think that they're, you know, they would say that everyone has bias, you know, as I mentioned in our interview, we said, you know, from a oh, I love faith that. perspective, mm -hmm. we actually agree that there's this, you know, there is this, all people have sin, and that shows up in bias, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, and that shows up in a lot of ways. And so, you know, there's there's a need to just delicately navigate these things and make, you know, make mistakes, but hold attention. So I, I love the idea of inclusion from a number of different perspectives. And I think what, 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 what makes it hard for Christians in business is when we hear inclusion, it's almost forced upon us, but you have to do inclusion this way and they give you a specific <laughs> way which is ironic and right? we're like it's i disagree with it's that. a prescriptive way to do inclusion which is an oxymoron mm -hmm. and i think this is just a guess i think 95 percent of inclusion is really really easy 
Yeah. I mean, you read scripture, the number one inclusion we see in scripture all the time is eating and drinking. Yeah. Jesus would invite people, yeah. let's eat together. Yeah. That's pretty, usually, you could disagree on food, mm -hmm. but that's a nice way of including people. Uh, both of us love to run, and we were members of running groups. Mm -hmm. Well, no, obviously, that's a way of including certain people in that tribe. People are meant to be part of tribes. So you think of a, a Christian business, how can you get people to be part of included, knowing that we come from different mm -hmm. perspectives? Yeah. So what do you think of when you think of inclusion in that, in a business perspective? Yeah, I think so. I think the rub for people of faith and people who, again, this, this is assumed that you have spent considerable time scrubbing your own life from bigotry, hatred, which easily mix with judgment against sin. So let's let's call that out, right? Okay. Um, that there's historically the church has done a pretty bad job of mixing what they would say love the sin or hate the sin with this, mm -hmm. you know, freedom to be hate, hateful and, and bigoted, right? Versus um, just looking at the um, ways that scripture talks about uh, lifestyle and just recognizing in a much less um, intense way the just this recognition of there are lifestyles and there are choices and there are things people may choose or feel like their identity is wrapped up in for lots of reasons, right? That, you know, that uh, maybe even just that's how they feel like they grew up and how they were made, um, that you're not having to affirm a sin or a lifestyle while also accepting the individual, right? And that's a hard way to sort of manage and go through that, but I think that that's, that's the way that, you know, Christian business leaders can try to set these things up for conversations and dialogue without necessarily, as a business, having to affirm an aspect of inclusion or affirm some like, broad agenda. Like, we talked in about that a little bit around the Black Lives Matter agenda. Mm -hmm. how, do I, how, do I, how do I position myself against racism, which I think is very biblical, without necessarily you know, affirming a very broad agenda of one particular aspect of that in our society, which, where I might have some challenges. Right? Um, so I think that that's, it's, it's having one-on-one -on -one conversations, it's having you know, hard conversations, and it's um, leading well around these things, mm -hmm. you know, and that's how you become a very inclusive place while recognizing we have some different choices that we make in the society we live in. And there's some, you know, um, it's just part of reality too. Right? And I think a lot of this also is having conversations, mm -hmm. having lots Not and lots of conversations. Mm -hmm. And this is where I love, uh, you know, podcasting. I like long-form podcasts. You know, granted, what we will sometimes put up on the web is a, a short burst here and a short burst here, but there's something to listening to the whole conversation. Yeah. Even I'll listen to podcasts that are one, two hours long because you, you, you get the ebb and flow of the context of everything. That is so valuable instead of like, well, Josh, he believes that the only kind of ice cream is vanilla, or what? And then I'm going to judge you based on that. But if you talk about, well, you know, I, I like vanilla because if it's this or, or whatever it happens to be. Right. Here, here, my illustration is breaking down, but you yeah. see where I'm going with this. So. so I have a question for you. Yeah, shoot. So slightly, slightly change topics there. Then, um, what? So a lot of people listening to this are going to be in positions of authority, positions of mm -hmm. power in business. One of the things I struggle with in understanding around these topics is what's the difference? And you know, you're a CEO, and so you're you're in a role where you've probably have been perceived as abusing power, mm -hmm. unjust, right? Whether you have it or not, I'm sure you've been accused of it. Uh, what's the difference between injustice or an abuse of power, which is effectively a lot of these things we're talking about in some way, 
or someone who is just frankly jealous that someone has more power than them, right? It's real easy when you're the one without power to feel abused. It's real easy when you wish you had the seat, when you wish you had the salary, when you wish you had what you perceive to be a better lifestyle, mm -hmm. to then see injustice and abuse. But I wonder where do we find the differences here around, especially when we're self-examining, right? Like if someone's accusing me of something, there's a there's like a how do I humbly come at it and say hey, so let me you, tell me more so from a CEO's perspective I think the way around this mm -hmm. without getting into you must believe this way or I'm gonna do it this way my way or the highway is with our teams that we're leading is to have very clear KRAs which are key results areas yeah. and KPIs which are key performance indicators mm -hmm. so it's it's the it's the boundary lines for what is expected. So from a business leader, I, all my team knows exactly what they need to do because they have numbers. We know in baseball exactly how good of a hitter is, typically, mm -hmm. based on their batting average. I could say, well, you just don't believe in me. Well, Eric, you're, you're hitting below 200 for the year. You've got to make contact with the ball. It's not a belief. It's just you can't hit. And I think that can really help with the injustice or jealous because you can look at the numbers. I, I, I know a lot of people. I'm not a huge fan of LeBron James in basketball. He's one of the greatest basketball players of all times. Why can I say that? How many titles he has, his points, because we're looking at numbers. I could talk about what I disagree with, but uh, I think that helps with injustice and jealousy, I think. Okay. So spaces of ambiguity, when, when things mm -hmm. are left to... Um, to spaces of ambiguity when things are left to be unclear, I think it is much easier to um, perceive or experience for real, right, injustice and abuse of power, mm -hmm. right, because there isn't something that we can all agree on. Yeah. And I think all of us want fairness. Right. Is, right. If you ever see people who get so mad over one issue or another, it's typically an issue of fairness yeah. or opportunity. Right. And, I, and, and so when people have gotten mad at me as CEO, I have to look really hard. Oh my gosh. But I have to look really hard at like how did I not communicate this? Yeah. And it's 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 a lot of times I I told the wrong story or I didn't see their perspective because I see things from my viewpoint. Right. Right. Is it the same from a consulting perspective or is that what do you think? Yeah, well so yeah, I mean in terms of Because we don't want injustice and we don't want jealousy. No, well I think that um you know, consulting offers a different opportunity, right? Where many times I'm helping someone providing a mirror to the organization, mm -hmm. right? And so that's one of the things I really enjoy is, is there is a lack of awareness, there's blind spots. And the great thing about consulting is, you know, the advising and the work we do, we're able to come alongside and say, you know, hey, have you looked in this mirror lately? You don't realize the big pimple you got right here, yeah. right? Um, I'm actually doing a project like that right now with digital kind of transformation, which is really neat. And we're building something cool that's technically brilliant and awesome and fun. Um, but the thing that's really neat about it is the process of building it has provided several mirrors, as you will, to the organization where they say, oh, well, we can't do that until we actually make this decision. We can't do that until we come up with this strategy. And you go, yeah, you're right. That's what mm -hmm. I said. <laughs> yeah. So you need to address that little, you know, zit on your, on your. But, but how many times have you done this as a consultant, where you know the answer? Yeah. But they're not going to change until they look at it in a mirror. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Because your job is to mirror that. Yeah, well, and, that, and, that's, and so that's back to communication. That's relationship, right? So mm -hmm. building strong relationships with those people I work with, then I figure out not just what the right answer is, but how will it land with the individual I'm working with? How mm -hmm. will it land with the culture? I've actually had people ask me, you know, say there's two different methodologies for how to implement a solution, right? There's, there's dozens of toolboxes you could draw from out there, right? And they'll say, well, should we implement this tool or this tool? My answer actually isn't that I have a strong feeling about a tool one way or the other. I say, well, which will your culture, culture accept? <laughs> right? Which will your leadership So many times the answer isn't even as prescriptive as, you know, which will you as the leader feel convicted about and which will your team get behind? Mm -hmm. Then that's actually the one that's the right answer because there's sometimes several right answers by the book, but what matters is your culture, your leadership, your conviction, your unity, I and mean, there's all these things that have to be in place around the right, quote unquote, answer. And along those same, you know, in the book, Say the Right Thing, our role is to, you know, be as inclusive as possible, mm -hmm. but we have different people within our organization. So I am always looking at, from my perspective, I, I use a lot of personality tests, such as the DISC, I've used the Enneagram, uh, lately business productivity, such as six types of working genius. I use that as kind of a framework mm -hmm. because we all are different. Right. Doesn't mean if you look at everyone the exact same way, well, that's great for those that it relates to, but I found that you can get to the same spot by treating people differently. We mm -hmm. still need to go to the same place, yeah. but we'll take different ways of getting there. Yeah. Gotta stay in balance the entire time. Yeah, that's great. What, what, uh, this is, I, think, I think this has been a great business application. What, what's next for us here? Well, let's apply it to our life as well, too. Excellent. Business applies to life. Life applies to business. We're going to have hard conversations in life. So We are. We'll and we're going to do it. And, and we'll talk about what does that look like next week? Because yeah. there's a way to have those hard conversations. They talk about it in the book. Yeah. And I think we, we can, we can uh, grab onto that as well, too. Absolutely. So... If you're engaged in this, how does it look like uh, to um, uh, look like this in your business? But also between now and then, go to theconsultantandthecoach.com or wherever you're listening to this, whether it be YouTube or TikTok or you name it, leave questions for us. Hey, you guys didn't think about this. How does this apply to your business yeah. in the meantime? And uh, what's the what's the offer we have? You, you, that oh, you yeah, no, about folks too. are interested. They're, they, they're listening to it. They like this. We'll put together a discussion guide for you and your team around these all these kind of hairy topics around this mm -hmm. book. If you want to read it or even just we'll get you the abridged set of questions to talk about that might get you skipping past the book potentially depending on uh, how deep you want to go. But uh, right, reach out. Send us an email. Good. And then next week, uh, hey, life application of, hey, saying the right thing. Or what happens if you don't say the right thing? Sounds good. Okay. Until next week. All right. Take care.